Vibrant Church is all about passionate people who build authentic relationships to reach limitless potential and serves Orange County, California. For more information, visit us online at theocmovement.com. We hope you enjoy this message from the movement. Good morning. I have some, some friends that, that actually uh, were in ministry as lead pastors and made some decisions that removed them from that position of leadership. And it actually I had other friends that went to their church and they said, I'm giving up on church and giving up on God because, man, it doesn't seem like anybody can do or be an actual Christ follower. And listen, that's unfortunate. The truth is all of us are imperfect. All of us are a little bit jacked up, but we've got a prerogative as a Christ follower to do everything that we can to live a life that reflects who Jesus is. I'll never forget, I was in Dallas, and I, I used to be a youth pastor in Dallas. And um, How many of you uh, are, are kind of aggressive on the road? Raise your hand right now. Don't judge me. Okay, thank you. The rest of you, uh, you probably, we probably ticked you off at one point or another. And, uh, you know, when you get on the highway... Uh, here it's a little bit different than in Texas, but the only way to get on the highway is to floor it, right? Just get as fast as you could possibly get, throw your blinker on, and just scoot over as fast as you possibly can. Can I get an amen from somebody in this place? Hallelujah. Listen, and so I, I did that in Dallas, and I, I floored it, man. Whoa! In a Nissan Sentra four-banger. Yeah. Whee! Black smoke flying out the back, and... I looked over, and I was clear, so I had my blinker on and got over. And right as I was coming across the line, I hear this honk, and I look, and there was a car in my blind spot. It swerved over, and I, I did what you do in Texas. I'm going to teach you something, and this actually clears you of all wrongdoings. It's called the Texas wave, okay? If you cut someone off in traffic, you do this. You hang your head a little bit. You make your face like this, and you go... So sorry, right? Try that. Just kind of raise your hand and go, I'm so sorry. That's called the Texas wave. And that literally should pardon every sin. So I, 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 I get on the highway and I cut this person off and I'm, it's a young lady and I, I go, oh, I'm so sorry. And so she sped up next to me and she waved at me too with one finger and then just kept on going. And I was, I got the Holy Spirit. So I floored it. I'm like, man. Let's have a conversation on the highway going 70. Don't judge me. Stop judging me right now. Why? Little Nissan Sentra shaking on the highway. Sea foam green. No man should ever drive a car that color. And I was. It was awesome. Wow! I'm just flying up. And I get next to this girl and I look over and it was a girl in my youth ministry. <laughs> she looked over me in anger and saw me and she goes, oh, and said some words that I can't even say. And then like hit the brakes and exited the highway. I didn't even say a word to her the next week at church. She just hung her head in shame. And I preached about her. And, you know, I said, you fit. No, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. Man, listen, have you ever been caught in a moment where you may have not been doing things or living things or living a life that was reflective of who Christ has called us to be? Right? Aren't we all guilty of that? I'm, I've never flipped one, anyone off, but I'm praying for those of you that have. And Hey, we're all guilty of that, right? But Paul brought in some instruction. If you call yourself a Christ follower, here are the things that should mark your life. Here are the things that should be reflective in the way that you live. We're on week number four. Week one, Megan talked about genuine love, being genuine in everything that we do. Week two, we talked about honoring all. Last week, Bree, she brought the house down and she talked about being zealous. Can we give it up for Bree who killed it last week? It's interesting how the markings of a Christian have very little to do with who we are as a person, 
and so much more to do with how we interact with the world we live in. But in order to interact with the world that we live in, and according to what the scripture says, it actually has a profound effect on who we are as an individual. Because if we're going to be genuine, we have to genuinely be in love with Jesus. If we're going to honor all, we have to truly understand who the giver of value is. If we're going to be zealous, even in the midst of tribulation, we have to have faith and hope in a rock that doesn't waver, right? And so it's amazing how each of the markings of a Christian have to do so much with the world that we live in, but actually have a profound effect on us as individuals. And today, I want to talk to you about a passage of Scripture here in Romans chapter, nine, chapter 12, verses 9 through 20. And, and today I want to talk about how Jesus instructed us to interact with other Christ followers. So if you're here today and you got dragged to church because somebody said there's a free meal afterwards or some hot girls or hot guys, man, you just get to listen today. But for those of you who are here who are Christ followers, this is for us and how we interact with each other. You know what I find so, so often uh, it, within the church and within Christians is that we, we're really good at eating our wounded. Somebody does something they're not supposed to do and we, we know so well how to cut them down to size. We judge them with our facial expressions, with our heart. We ostracize people from churches because of past mistakes and failures, specifically with those that call themselves Christ followers. I never forget an experience at my church in Arizona when a young lady who had a profession that was not a, a very biblical profession, and she was a dancer, not of the exciting Super Bowl performance form, and and she had just begun to give her life back to the Lord and say, I want to come back and do and be who God has called me to be. And this young lady had been living a lifestyle for three to four years of just, just it wasn't a healthy lifestyle. I think you can kind of catch my, my meaning. And so the clothes that she would wear were reflective of the lifestyle she lived. So she came to church one Sunday, literally two weeks fresh back to saying yes to Jesus. One of the elders of the church walked up to her and said, what is wrong with you? How dare you dress like that in church? You should know better. That young lady hung her head, walked out of the building, and never came back. What a missed opportunity. What a missed opportunity. Maybe the exterior of this young lady was reflective of something that wasn't modest, but I wonder if we were able to reveal and open up the very confines of our heart in this room, I wonder how many of us would be found modest. Why is it that as Christ followers, so often we eat our wounded? Here's a young lady who's just trying to say yes to Jesus and do what's right, and she walks away. We have to remember we're all in process, right? That's why Paul wrote, he said, hey, there are some specific markings of a Christian. Romans 12, I want to read this passage. We're reading it every week because I feel like repetition actually helps us in a powerful way. Romans Chapter 12, verse 9 says this, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Verse 11 says this, Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. You think I have this memorized, but I'm reading on this screen right here. I just look really cool right now. Man, you guys are doing a great job. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Listen to this. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. 
Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Verse 18, if possible. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 20 says this, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Verse 21, I love this verse. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. What a powerful passage of scripture. It's amazing how much is there for the taking if we'll just dive in and allow God to do work. The title of my message today is all based around verses 13 through 16. And the title of my message today is We Take Care of Our Own. If you're taking notes, write that down. If you're not taking notes, start taking notes. We take care of our own. I want to talk about these passages in verse 13. It says this, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep and live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Paul in this passage of scripture is talking specifically to those of us who are Christ followers in how we interact with other Christ followers. This passage, this short portion of the scripture, isn't about how we interact with the world around us. It's about how we interact with other fellow Christ followers. In fact, he uses the word brethren a lot of times in in the scripture. And I I think it's important for me to say, because if you're new to the church, you hear that it might sound kind of cult-like, kind of creepy-ish, like communal. Like, oh, hey, brothers and sisters. We don't do that here at the Movement Church. But this passage of scripture was written to a persecuted church. They were slaughtered for their faith. And they had people trying to infiltrate the system. It would be like Christians who currently are doing church in Syria and Iraq. With ISIS coming after them hardcore. Same dynamics. So when they would do church, it would be in the basement of a home. All the windows shut. They were learning how to interact with each other for the very first time. And, and there was challenges that were, challenges that were arising. And people were trying to infiltrate that system, sneaking in as people acting like they were Christ followers, but they weren't. And so they began to call each other brothers and sisters. Because they belonged to the cause of who Jesus was. And Paul, in this passage of scripture, was teaching them, hey, listen, how we treat each other, it actually matters. And we take care of of our own. I want to talk to you about five things to remember. I've got about 18 minutes, and I think I'm going to do it. It's going to be awesome. 18 minutes, five things to remember as we understand the principle that we take care of our own. Number one, we're connected. Write that down. Number one, we're connected. This passage starts off with contribute to the needs of the saints. The word contribute, when you translate it to the original language, literally what it means is this, to come into communion or fellowship with, to become a sharer, to be made a partner, to be fully invested in. The reason you see some people wearing this yarn is in the very beginning of this series, we passed out a spool of yarn and and we wrapped it around our wrists as a reminder that we're marked to be Christ followers. But more importantly than that, we're connected through this life. When we say yes to who Jesus is, then you and I, we're a part of a family. I know what you're thinking. It sounds a lot like Mufasa. We're all connected to the great circle of life. I think I got a penguin in my bottom. Is that how? No, it's not how it goes. Sorry. 
If y'all never heard that, you're welcome. You're welcome. We're all connected. We're all connected through the circle. No, this isn't about the circle of life. When we say yes to being a Christ follower, man, we are a part of a family. Regardless of your faith background, regardless of what you, where you were raised, how you are raised, what your skin tone is like, we are part of a family. And we have to live as such. Your decisions affect me. And my decisions affect you. When the elder of that church walked up to that young girl, what did that say about our church in Phoenix? It wasn't a reflection of the entire church, but I got to tell you, that's a mark against us, isn't it? It's a mark against us. One of the things that I love about the movement church, I got a text from one of our members and today, this morning, hey, I just ran into a homeless guy outside of McDonald's. We grabbed some breakfast. Can I bring him to church? I said, you bet you could bring him to church. I love the heartbeat of our church. To say, man, every single person matters. Why we're connected. And when he made that decision, what does it do to every other Christian that walks through this region and says, man, I'm proud to be a Christ follower. I'm proud to be a Christ follower. We're connected. The movement church is a representation of that. Do you realize that there are hundreds of thousands of churches that belong to an organization called ARC? And they have been tirelessly funding, building the kingdom of God. And before we started as a church, they said, Carrie, Megan, we believe in you and what God's doing. We want to give you money to help you start. Other churches coming together saying, hey, how can we plant more churches? Do you know that 10% of everything that comes in goes right back to fund other churches that are planting? That's what we do here at the church. Why? Because... We're connected. We're connected. We're connected. Can you imagine what would happen in my family if I just said, you know what, hey, babe, I don't want to work anymore. I'm done. I'm out. What do you mean you don't want to work? I I just told you. I'm going to the beach. Deuces. (laughs) What are we going to do for food? You can get a job if you want to. I'm I'm cool. I'll be home at 6, have dinner on the table. Yeah, I got some moms who are all angry. I haven't done that. This is hyperbole, okay? I mean, listen, what if I was to do that and say, baby, it doesn't affect you. It's just me. I'm just done with working. Well, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It affects everyone in my family. It affects my family, my wife. It affects my two daughters and my new puppy who diarrheas at night and won't go to sleep. You're welcome. You see these bags under my eyes for my stinking puppy that I paid for. Don't judge me. She sleeps in my bed. Stop judging me. She didn't yelp last night. Are you tracking with me? I don't know why we're talking about puppies. If I was to stop working, man, not only would it affect the financial well-being of my family, but what would that say to my wife? Hey, you know what? You're, You're not important enough for me to go to work. Hey, kids, I hope you guys will do okay. Brooklyn, you're almost old enough to work. (laughs) Eat less, you'll make it. (laughs) Hey, listen, man, you got to understand your actions and your inactions have a profound effect on other believers. We're connected. We're connected. Well, that feels a little bit harsh, Pastor Kerry. Well, yeah. Yeah, because it matters. That's why Paul said we're marked. We're marked. We take care of our own. In order to do that, we've got to remember we're connected. Number two, we've got to be the solution. Be the solution. Be the solution. What does that mean, Pastor Kerry? Well, I love what the scripture says in verse 13b. It says this, seek to show hospitality. I like the word seek 
It literally translated means pursue hospitality. What does that mean, hospitality? Now, now listen, uh, Paul kind of, actually, another, another writer in the scriptures in Hebrews, he, he kind of dives into a little passage of scripture uh, a little bit after this. He says this in Hebrews 13, 1. It says, let love for your fellow believers continue and be a fixed practice with you. Never let it fail. Do not forget or neglect or refuse to extend hospitality to strangers, in parentheses, in the brotherhood, being friendly, cordial, and gracious, sharing the comforts of your home and doing your part generously. For through it, some have entertained angels without even knowing it. What is it talking about? Are we literally entertaining angels? If you've been in the church long enough, you immediately thought of a newsboy song. If you didn't, I'm judging you. I want to sing it so bad. In a tiny night. No, we're moving on. Does that mean we're literally entertaining angels? Maybe, but I think more importantly, the writer here is saying that we have got to pursue, go after hospitality, and because we take care of our own. You see, back in ancient times in the scriptures, remember, there are persecuted people, and as Christians would travel to different villages and towns, they could stay in motels, but in those days, motels were notorious for immorality. Notorious for it. They didn't want to go and be in that environment. So Christians would then open up their homes to these strangers who are Christians. And I just wonder what would happen if we were to be the solution for the people we're sitting next to now. What are you walking through in your life? Man, we're just struggling financially. Okay, hey, let's sit down. Let's put a budget together. Let me help you out. Oh, you know what? Listen, our company's hiring. Come on over. Let's get you get on this. Man, we want to get your family taken care of. Right now, I've got a, my, my a close family member. My father's going through some crazy, crazy uh, healthy health issues right now. Crazy. Life-threatening health issues. And uh, he's got cancer and it's spreading rapidly and aggressively through his body. And it's hard to be 1,600 miles away. It's just hard in general. And we got some news the other night. It was rough. Me and my sister. It was the coolest thing. She had a friend over, and her friend just went over and sat down right next to her. My sister doesn't like to hug, but for whatever reason, in this moment, the hug was perfect. You know what's the, the, the easiest thing for me to be 1,600 miles away? Well, he's got a great family around him, but you know what else? His church family has surrounded him. Every time he's in the hospital, he gets a new plant from a new member. Hey, we love you. We believe in you. He's got a whole team of intercessors that are praying for his healing. The other day, he couldn't go to church, and one of the pastors at the church posted a picture of this pound cake that his wife had made, and he posted, man, that looks amazing. Ten minutes later, they drove halfway across the town and said, hey, we just want to bring you a slice of pound cake. What are the needs of the people sitting next to you? Maybe it's, maybe it's a marriage that's falling apart. Maybe you have an amazing story of God's restoration in your marriage. Hey, could we, let's go grab some coffee and talk. Maybe a teenage son and daughter going buck wild crazy. And we can be there. Seek to show hospitality. Seek to show hospitality. I think one of the greatest ways that we can do that is through connect groups. If you're part of the movement church and you're not in a connect group, you're missing out. Some of the best friends you've never met are in a connect group. It's just people coming together saying, man, I love you and I believe in you. I've told you the story before. Is we led a connect group at our church in Phoenix for young married couples. It's so freaking amazing. We had like 40 people chalked in my house. It was sweaty and nasty and awesome. And we just did life and talked about Jesus and God did amazing things. And after the service, after one of the connect groups, this young lady came up to me. She and, and, and her husband had four kids and we loved them. And she said, hey, head down. And she just kind of whispered something. She goes, hey, Pastor Kara's wondering, 
would you marry me and Jose? I said, what? She goes, yeah, we've been together for 13 years. We've never been married. She's just dejected. I said, are you kidding me? Her head hung a little bit lower, thinking I was going to say something horrible. I go, I would love to marry you. Not marry you, marry, officiate a marriage. <laughs> it's not that weird in Arizona, I promise. My wife would kill me. She goes, I just want to be something quiet. I said, I'll give you one condition. We'll marry you on one condition. She goes, okay, that we can invite everybody from our connect group and make it a party. She goes, okay, if you think they'll come. I go, hey, everybody. She's like, oh, my God, why did I even do this thing? Hey, everybody, listen. Hey, the last night of our semester of connect group, what if we don't meet here? What if we do a ceremony and we watch Jose and Teresa get married? Would that be cool? Everybody goes, that would be awesome. I'm not even kidding. Inside something awakened in them. And I'll never forget the moment, man. Family flew, flew in from all over the nation. And there was more people from their connect group at that wedding ceremony than they had family and friends outside. They walked down the aisle. It's the coolest thing I've ever seen. And the entire room right now as I am just weeping because it was sad. No, because it was so amazing. It was people coming together to contribute to the needs of saints. Why do we eat our wounded? Why do we judge and outcast people who are Christ followers who let us down? Man, we're in this thing together. We're, we're connected. We've got to be the solution. Number three, all saints are included. There are no excuses. Even the believers who tick you off. And don't act like there are not Christians who don't make you mad. Some of you sit on opposite sides of the theater because you don't want to be next to that fool. Don't elbow your husband. That doesn't count. Even the ones who frustrate us. Verse 14 says this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Bless those. And this is particularly talking about believers. Bless them. Bless them. What does that mean? The actual translation of that literally means to celebrate with praise. To ask God's blessing on them. To use our words to bring affirmation to the people who frustrate us to no end. Bless them and do not curse them. To use our words to bring affirmation to those who hurt and tear us down and frustrate us. But we are so quick to do the opposite. We're so quick. Our husband does something or says something. And we call our bestie immediately. Well, he did it again. Mm-mm. I don't know why you talk like that, but you do apparently. I'm just so sick of it. Well, no, 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 no. Let's start speaking some blessings over their life. You know what I value about my husband is that he's only a knucklehead three-fourths of the time. But that one-fourth, man, it's a good time. It's usually at night, but you know, that's another story. <laughs> I, 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 literally, I just, a couple of days ago, Megan and I, we, we connect with other pastors and, and meet with them on a regular basis just to inspire each other and say, hey, we're in this thing. We're, we're connected, right? Let's stay encouraged and and it's always an evolving and, and growing deal with new pastors coming in. And we had this one pastor come on, and he's a little bit rough around the edges, speaks his opinions quite often, and, and maybe interrupts a little bit. And one of the guys who'd been there often texted me that night, hey, what would you think about so-and-so? I said, I love him, man. He's rough around the edges, but 
You know what, when, when you grow up a pastor's kid and your wife passes away, just a couple years into your marriage, it'll do something to you. Man, he kind of frustrated me. He kind of act like a jerk. Well, why don't you tell him? He's a good guy. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Why do we act like and treat believers as though they're not as important? When they make mistakes, man, it's like we just kick them on the ground. We've got to remember we're connected. We've got to be the solution. And all saints are included in this thing, especially the people who frustrate us. Especially the people who frustrate us. And he goes on. And I I love this next portion. And he says this. uh, In verse 15, he says this. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. That brings us to point number four. That we're all in this together. Have you ever seen High School Musical? Raise your hand. We're all in this together. Mm, mm, mm. Come on, shake your head like that. No? Every time I sing, y'all just get silent on me. It just hurts my heart. We're all in this together. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. All this, he's saying, hey, listen, rejoice. Be exceedingly glad when good things happen to those that we love. Let's rejoice about it. Let's be excited about it. But I feel like so often we do the opposite. When great things happen to people, we get frustrated or down. We play the comparison game and we look at what they have in comparison to what we have. And it frustrates the dickens out of us. And the scripture is saying, hey, when good things happen to those that are believers, we got to rejoice with them. When things that are going rough with them, we got to mourn with them. This is our prerogative. This is our prerogative. And listen, don't act like you don't get this thing. Let's just talk about the greatest sport in the history of America, football. Can I get an amen? Amen. All the rest of you don't know what you're talking about. I apologize, right? And Seriously, do we have some baseball fans in this room today? Did you guys just all die on me? Are y'all still out there? I can't see you. If you ever watch a game, it doesn't matter what sport it is, and somebody on the other team gets injured, you're like, yes. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe you like the lame sport of hockey. And they send somebody in to beat a kid up and you're like, yeah, he's getting his face pounded. Are y'all tracking with me? If you know anything about the NFL and you saw that the Cowboys lost, freaking, are you kidding me? We lost to Marco Murray this week. How many football fans in here? I got texts from like five people. Ha ha, went to the Eagles. Ha ha ha. Are you with me? We, we do this very often. That seems silly and foolish, but the same thing happens in life. And then we quantify other people's success to validate how we feel and make us feel better. Well, they got the promotion because he knows so-and-so. They got the house because their dad bought a home and then put a down payment on it. And so that's why they, they got, well, they got that car because so-and-so and so-and-so and well, they're invited to that party because, well, they just, they hang out all the time and they don't actually care about anybody else, just themselves. And, and we quantify other people's success and we don't rejoice with those who are rejoicing and weep with those who are weeping. Do you realize that in ancient times when, when people would have a, a, a funeral procession or when someone would pass away, there would be local men and women who would go to a house just to mourn with the people. They would cry with the people. They would lament with the people. Sometimes it'd be strangers, but they would just cry. They would mourn. In their darkest hour, they said, you're not alone. 
I've got a uh, six-year-old girl named Avery. She's a bundle full of joy, active and vivid imagination. And often it leads to scary dreams at night. About every three nights or so, we'll hear our door crack open about the 2 to 3 a.m. at night. And she'll run up to our bed and horrible breath, nasty zombie eyes and hair going crazy. She'll say, I had a bad dream and I'm scared of the dark. And I'll yell at her and say, stop being such a baby. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Y'all just left on me, so I forgot to just go there. I will get up, we'll walk into her bedroom, lay her down, pull her blankets up, and we'll just lay next to her. Did it get any lighter in the room? No, it's still dark. Did the dreams go away? I don't know. When she falls asleep, she may have another one. But she just wants to know that in her darkest time, She's not alone. She's not alone. She's not alone. We're all in this thing together. We're all in this thing together. We're connected. We've got to be the solution. We've got to be. How do we find what the solution is? All saints are included in this thing. Even the ones that frustrated, there's no excuses. And we're all in this together. I think what a powerful message. That we could say to each other that even in your darkest hour, you're not alone. Wouldn't that be a powerful message? You know what, if I, if I ran into a community of people who were pretty cool and just normal living life and working and having fun and worshiping. And, and I saw them interact with each other in a way that when people were wounded or struggling or having a difficult season that everybody rallied around them and said, man, hey, how can we help you? We want to be the solution because we're connected. When people made some mistakes or poor decisions that they said, hey, listen, come on, you're better than that. You got purpose. God's plan for you are bigger. They're yes and amen. Come on, you don't have to live life that way. If I was an outsider looking at a community like that, I'd say, man, that's something I want to belong to. That's somebody, that's a group of people that if I'm going to invest my life or do something in my life, that's where I want to invest. Because you know what? They're not perfect, but they're doing the best to be who they say that they are. They don't have all the answers, but they're working diligently to find them. And that brings us to our last point. Our last point is this verse concludes... Verse 16 says, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Point number five, that's especially the unwanted. I love getting that text this morning from Clement, who on his way to breakfast ran into a homeless guy. He said, hey, why don't you come eat with me? Hey, Pastor Kerry, can I bring him to church? I said, absolutely. It'd be easy to walk past Maybe he didn't smell the best or seen another person with a panhandling sign saying, hey, I don't have a job. Can you give me some change? We see him all the time. It'd be easy to disregard that. It'd be easy to, to even to look at that and, and, and just go, man, you know, I don't have time right now. But I love that Clement realized, wait, wait a minute, I'm marked to be a Christ follower. And even though on the outside... He may be homeless. It wasn't too long ago on the inside. I was homeless. 
On the outside, he may be a little smelly, but it wasn't too long ago that on the inside, I was a little jacked up. My time is not too important for him. Come on in. Let's grab some breakfast. That's the marking of a Christ follower. And hey, can I just tell you, that's a community that I want to belong to. What if that could be the reflection of our life? What if that could be the reflection of our life? I believe it can. It'll take work. It'll be challenging. And at times it'll be difficult with people who are frustrating. And sometimes it'll be more convenient to ignore the needs of the saints and not seek to bring hospitality. In fact, most of the time it's not convenient. But man, I believe that our life can be marked with this. I believe we can live to invest in each other. Because we are rallied to a great cause, to a great purpose, which is lifting up the name of Jesus, that other people might see it and be drawn unto him. Amen? Let's let our life be marked. If you, if you haven't been here with some yarn, get some on your way out. Let it be a reminder for what God's doing what he wants to do in our life. And hey, let me just take a minute, for those of you who are here that may be waning or wandering in your faith, you're just not really sure where you stand. And you think, man, that is a community that I would love to belong to, but I just feel like there's just something separated. Sometimes I feel on the inside, like maybe that, that homeless individual looked on the outside. And I'm a little too jacked up. I'm a little too messed up. I'm a little bit too far separated from who God is, even to experience his love. And I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, with all the love that I have, you're absolutely wrong. Jesus loves you exactly as you are. So much so that the Bible says that he came and lived a sinless life and he died on the cross to take the consequence and the shame for your sin and mine. And it's a free gift. It doesn't cost a thing. You don't have to get perfect to receive it. You don't have to get your ducks in a row. You just have to say yes to Jesus. And if you're here and you want to make that decision today, we don't want to embarrass you, but right where you're seated, in just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. You can repeat that after me in your own heart and begin a brand new journey. And look at me in the eyes, everyone in this room. Some of you in this room have been going through life and you're running from God's purpose and plan for you. And today's the day to come back. As we pray this prayer, would you repeat it after me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Whether for the first time or the first time in a long time, if you're here, you say, man, I want to I give my life to Jesus. Would you just in your own heart repeat this prayer after me? Just say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me and you've given me purpose. God, I've got sin in my life. I'm imperfect, but thank you for sending Jesus to pay the ransom for my sin. And all across this room, wherever you're at, whatever season of life, just repeat this phrase and say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Find out more about us at theocmovement.com or we'd love to meet you in person this Sunday. Until next time, Orange County.